gentlemen, and welcome to the That's What She Said podcast. I'm here with producer Kyle, as well as our guest of the hour, the host of Garbage Time on Fox Sports 1, Katie Nolan. Hi, Katie. Hi, Alexa. Katie's doing some awesome dance moves. I wish you guys could see it. Actually, you will be because we're going to film some of this. She's doing some awesome dance moves to our opening music. I'm glad you enjoy that. That music is everything. Is that like an original beat? It is. Who made that for you? It's one of our friends who basically has been doing beats for a really long time, and we kind of had it in the treasure cove right and we were like let's use this because we haven't used it for anything specific yet and it's worked out it's phenomenal yeah so you've had an amazing week right and we were just talking about how you're exhausted but I'm sure as we'll talk about it was worth it so you had your first ever week-long live garbage time from Super Bowl yeah what was live TV like for you insane yeah Uh, so we usually do half an hour once a week pre-taped in New York, mm-hmm. um, in a closet where there's no people. And we did uh, an hour a day, daily, uh, from San Francisco Radio Row where there's a ton of people yeah. live. And so it was insane. It was completely different from what we normally do. And aside from, you know, we had a crew that was bigger than usual. Like our production staff, it was the same, like seven of us. Uh-huh. So it was an insane lift and somehow we pulled it off and there were moments where it felt like uh, this is not going to work and it worked and I'm super proud of our team. We did a great job. Well, you did. And some of my favorite moments. So you got girly with Todd Gurley, which yeah. I thought was amazing. And I then, still haven't taken off the nail polish because I feel like Todd Gurley gave me a manicure and if I take it off, I'm an, I'm an idiot. Well, and the best part was when like Jeff Goldblum would reference the fact that you had shitty nail polish on <laughs> and you were like, yeah, Todd Gurley did that. So what? Like, what are you going to exactly. say? I got an awesome manicure from... Uh, you know, an NFL Rookie player. Of the year. Yeah. yeah. So I went. Uh, I went to parties at Super Bowl week because that's what people do, and they call them parties, but they're really just functions. Like some of them aren't very fun. Yeah. Um. But everybody was like looking at my nails funny, and I felt like I had to say, "This is the Todd Gurley did this to my hand." Stop judging, right? Like, yeah. Do all like, you people just stop judging. Yeah. It's actually pretty cool. So suck it. <laughs> The other thing that I thought was amazing that you got out of somebody who I've known for a little while through my husband, Peter, is Victor Cruz and getting him to do what I like to call the derp face. Oh, my God. Because that was literally gold. I could not believe he did it. We thought he was going to be like, eh, yeah, no, I'm not going to make fun of Eli. But he did it, and he did it twice. And he, there's no way he didn't get backlash from Eli on I that. I know. There's no way. He, he got, definitely did. For sure. And you got him to do it, which is amazing. Tebow throwing you a touchdown was pretty special. Yeah, special for him because he completed it. It was very, very special. <laughs> Threw a nice pat. No, he was a very, very nice guy. And I gave him a hard time, too. I was like, I'm going to catch it. I don't know if he'll be able to throw it. Obviously, just like joking. But he was a, he was a nice guy. It, people worship him. Yeah. Quite literally. Yeah. We walked through the crowd at Radio Row and people were reaching out to touch him. Well, very strange. Loving Jesus doesn't. I you mean, know, it was like he hurt. was Jesus. Like they needed to. T- people were like, "Pray for my brother Timothy." It's like what? He's Tim Tebow, right? What? What I did like though in that aspect when you guys did that was when you did the walk and talk interview because mm. it was kind of like when you know a mom bakes cupcakes for the class but sneaks in like a vegetable or something. Like you got something informative yep. out of Tim Tebow yep. while we were all just like holy shit, did we just learn something while we were actually watching him throw a football into a foam pit? Yeah. So I liked that you guys had kind of that juxtaposition rather than just sitting down with him at a desk. You made it creative and got it to work. The other thing you guys did was chugging beers with Gronk and then chest bumping. Yep. Did you like that? That was the best moment of my life. <laughs> we found out right before that happened that we had Gronk for five minutes. It was not planned. And so I was... Um, I hadn't been in hair and makeup yet. My hair was wet from a shower that morning. And I was like, let's do this. So I put on a Tom Brady jersey and got to throw him a pass. And Gronk was like, what are we doing? Like, what is this segment? I was like, don't worry about it. And we chugged beers and chest bumped. So that was the highlight of my week, I think. I was very starstruck. I wasn't like playing it cool. I was like, yeah, I, get, I, I love you. And I love everything your team stands for. And I love you. So let's go do this. Were there any other moments from that week? That stood out to you that were like, holy shit. Well, so Ryan Reynolds and I are um, in love. Uh-huh. And I He feels am, the same way. I can, I, you know, his eyes say it. Mm-hmm. His mouth didn't, but his eyes did. Um, they speak a lot. They say They a lot. say so many words. Yeah. And I heard all of them. <laughs> um, 
He was fantastic too. He was very funny. Uh, Matt Ryan was really great. I've, I maybe haven't seen him do a lot of stuff, but he was a lot more personable than I expected him to be. Mm-hmm. We got him to drink um, Natty Ice, but we wrote Maddie on it. And mm-hmm. he actually drank it, which I did not think he was going to do. I mean, every guest we had on the show was fantastic. They were just really willing to play along because we do weird stuff and we're kind of silly. But I mean, overall, the takeaway, the coolest thing was that we were the cool show. Yeah. At Radio Row. Like, there were a bunch of other shows there, but we were the one that, you know, we had a crowd. It was so cool to meet fans I had never met before. Yeah. They were like, oh, this is me on Twitter. We've tweeted at each other before and, like, sign autographs, which I've never done. I have to learn how to have a better signature because mine kind of sucks. Yeah, you got to work on that. I know. And especially, like, how do you sign on, like, when there's nothing to lean on? It was yeah. really difficult to, or, like, a T-shirt. I got to work on all those things. I got to hone my skills. You got to ask me your celeb friends. Yeah. But it was probably the most stressful week of my life for sure, but probably the coolest week of my life, like in retrospect, looking back at what we accomplished, all the people that I got to meet and the stuff that we got to do. So now coming back to New York and taping a half hour show weekly, that's going to be different, right? The thrill, that rush isn't there anymore. Well, so we all said at different points that week, all of the various producers at one point or another said to each other, like, after doing this, I have no idea how we go back and do it the way we usually do it. Right. So it's going to be an adjustment, luckily or unluckily, depending on how you look at it. We're going on hiatus for a couple months, so we don't... The last show we did for the Super Bowl is was the last show of season two, and then season three is coming back sometime in April or May. You guys got renewed. Yeah, we th- yes. Yes, I think so. Um, hiatus is also one of those things that sometimes networks tell you and then your hiatus never ends uh-huh. and you find out that you just got canceled. So <laughs> what I think the plan is, is we're going to keep the podcast going um, and do some other digital stuff for a while and then also figure out kind of the answer to the question you just asked uh-huh. of how do we take what we did there and what we learned there and apply it to what season three is going to be. So we don't know. We've been told we're getting a season three but we don't know where. We don't know if it's in our same studio or if we can get to a bigger studio. We don't know if it's going to be one night a week or if we can maybe expand that to a couple more nights a week. We don't know what time. We don't really know anything about it. So mm-hmm. we're spending the next few months figuring out what's what we can afford, what's feasible, what makes sense so that the show grows instead of continuing to be what it's been before. So one of the things I learned doing live TV or, or anything live is that the crowd plays a huge influence on in what you're doing, right? And to be able to block out that crowd is a huge skill that you have to learn how to hone. Did that Was that the one thing that you kind of took from all of this or what was the one thing you learned from this week? I would say the weird thing about the Radio Row crowd, like the strangest part, is that they can't hear you. So we were doing a show for a crowd of people who could just see the backs of the heads of whoever because they're behind you. And then the mics are to television. They're not to like speakers because there's 80,000 other things happening at Radio Row. Right. So no one could hear what we were saying. So they were easier to ignore than usual, except that they were screaming things like, I love Katie Dolan. And I was mid-sentence and they didn't realize I was mid-sentence because they couldn't hear me. So that was a super weird thing. I'd say the number one thing I learned is is more about like, timing because uh-huh. the way we do the show now we can have a guest come in and I can talk to them for half an hour and then we can take the best four minutes of that and put it on TV yep. with a live show it was more about like get to the point like make the person comfortable get what you need out of them and then get them to wrap up that's the hardest thing yeah. was getting people to stop talking when I'm getting a hard count in my ear that we have to throw a break and it was very difficult and and like keeping all those things balanced mm-hmm. at once is a part of live TV that I think a lot of people don't understand when they watch like Sports Center or whatever it is that you're watching, Fox Sports Live. Um, you don't realize that those people are not only do they have to say words and be coherent, they have uh-huh. to listen to sentences being said into their ear and also kind of do like run traffic right. on everything happening. So that was a crazy experience that I dropped the ball on a lot of times, but like kind of our brand is to make fun of the fact that we're not that great at TV. So I mean, we kind of owned it, but. It was a, a huge learning experience of how to like do things faster as opposed to having all the time in the world. You guys had an interesting experience with Gronk and one I think got a lot of positive feedback. I know from, where you're going with this. I know you do. Your colleague Julie Stewart Banks did not have the same reaction with her segment with Gronk. She had Gronk grind on her, essentially thrust in her face because she wanted him to emulate, you know, his stripper past and his magic mic moment. 
I know you talked to GQ about this, but I want to get your reaction in terms of when you first heard about it to maybe did your reaction change a little bit further on when you thought about it more? Well, so I, first I'll say that our, our segment with Gronk where we chugged a beer was happened directly before this segment. And uh-huh. so I felt immediately a bit of guilt that maybe I got Gronk drunk for something he wasn't planning on drinking for. Interesting. Could have had some sort of an effect. Because, I mean, I know he's a big guy and it was a beer, but it was early in the day. And when he was done with it, he said, wow, I haven't had a beer in a really long time, <gasps> which I don't know what that means, but it was interesting. But no, so Julie's a good friend of mine, so mm-hmm. I'm a little bit biased, but I I, I adore her. I, my overall opinion on it, I know she got a lot of negative backlash, and I don't I don't fault her for it. And I, I'm sure you can relate to this, whether it's with a silent nod or if you you know want to say something about it. I women in sports have this burden of of and a responsibility with what they do, but we also have this. If you have a job and you want to keep that job and someone says to you, hey, you should do this as a woman, like as a man, it's like, do I like that or do I not like that? And then I make my decision for a woman. It's like you have to decide if that's the role that they're trying to put you in. And if you stand up and say no to that role, does that mean you then are going to lose your job? And do you fit in in this network if it's not in this role? And so I think it's a very difficult thing to navigate between Something lighthearted and fun, which is, oh, I want a lap dance from Gronk. You don't know how far he's going to take that. She can't be held responsible for like what he did or what he didn't do. I think it was a, a choice that was presented to her by a producer. Do you know that for a fact or I'm, you just think? I think. Okay. I think. And my best educated guess would be that someone said, this would make headlines and be funny. Right. And, and Julie's like a fun, she's Canadian. She's a, very innocent as a person. And I think she was like, that would be fun. Let's do that. Yeah. I think she realized afterwards, after getting all of the reaction that she got, I think she realized that, okay, I see where everybody's coming from. But at the same time, if you take a step back, who really cares? I think it says a lot about where we're at in the world that like the biggest thing anybody wanted to talk about that week was that a woman asked for a lap dance and got one. Yeah. There was like all these think pieces on whether Gronk should be able to do that. It's like she asked him to. She gave him permission. Yeah. There were think pieces on whether Julie Stewart Binks set women back in the media. It's like you guys weren't watching FS1. Let's be honest. Nobody (laughs) was. So you don't get to not watch and then also be like, we can't believe that. It was a stupid mistake. It was a little bit more than what it should have been. I don't think Julie meant anything negative by it. I think she was doing what... She was asked to do. Again, I could be wrong. And Julie, maybe you want to, I don't know if it was your idea 100%. But I just, I think it's a a thing that was uncomfortable for me to see. And I didn't love it. But at the same time, knowing the people involved, because, you know, Gronk and I are really close. Um, <laughs> knowing the people involved, I know there was no malicious intent. And it wasn't like, this is what I'm going to be. But it's, right. it's tough for women to Feel, I mean, Julie started the week off at the desk, and she moved to the couch pretty quickly, and I, I can't imagine that was a good thing. Right. Well, the show is called House Party, right? And they're drinking out of solo cups, and a lot of the other conversations— House Party by the Bay. House Party by the Bay. Thank you. <laughs> and they're drinking out of solo cups, and a lot of the conversation is lighthearted, and it's about other you know things other than the X's and O's of sports. My big thing about it, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, I think there is a little bit of a difference— if she was asked in a production meeting to do this from somebody else and had to kind of say, yeah, okay, I'll do that versus her going out on her own and kind of being like, hey, Gronk, want to come give me a lap dance? I think there's a little difference there in terms of where it kind of comes from. But otherwise, when I kind of sat back and thought about it, I was like, what's the big deal here? It's not that big of a deal. I understand where people feel like it was shocking, but... Setting women back, I mean, if you know the other things that she does on, you know, the network and in sports media, she does a lot of things, let's be honest, that other women don't want to do, right. like cover soccer, like cover hockey. Right now she's on the road with the Ducks. Yeah. Like she, she works really, really hard. But, you know, people don't see that. They see a blonde woman on a couch who's attractive getting a lap dance from Gronk. And I think right. people are very quick to judge and to say, make all these judgments on Julie when Julie is working really hard 
saw an opportunity to do a studio show, a more fun show, which I think is something that she wants to do. Yeah. And a producer or somebody told her that this was a thing to do. She did it. And then now is like, wait, what did I... Why is everybody so mad? It's yeah. just a, if I were at a party with Gronk, I would be like, "Come on, Gronk, give me a lap dance!" Right, like, and that's what the show's supposed to feel like. It's supposed right. to feel it's like a party. House party so, by yeah, I think it was just the world is holding everybody to this like standard of don't make any mistake ever. It's like just let the it's just a lap dance. Well, like you said, not too many people were watching, and because <laughs> everyone got to watch, because everyone got to watch post, you know, and have it go crazy viral. That's mm-hmm. where everyone decides that they can replay it a million times and make their decision. Whereas it was a split second decision for her and for Gronk and everyone else. Live TV. It did seem like Gronk, though, after watching the clip, sort of tried to give her like an out of it. He was kind of like, you sure? Do we? I think he realized... It's because he was drunk off one beer. Yeah. Yeah. He was drunk off one beer. She did that. It seemed like he was sort of like, maybe you don't want to do this. He was kind of giving her an out, but, you know, he went with it anyway and... But that's kind of his brand. It he is did it brand. anyway. Yeah, he did it anyway. He he gave the option. I mean, to he's like, a big boy. If he didn't want to do it, he could have said, "Nah, you know, I'm you know all danced out." Yeah. yeah, it was a it was an uncomfortable moment, and those happen, especially in live TV. And I think everybody needs to just keep in mind that no one is a bad person. Julie's not. A, she's actually a wonderful person who works really hard. So after all the radio row mayhem, mm-hmm. there was a game. Right, Denver beat Carolina twenty four ten, but there wasn't really so much exciting. to speak about. Was it a game? About. No, right, there I, wasn't I, anything exciting. going genuinely, on. Genuinely, like when you just brought that up, I'm like, oh wow, the Super Bowl did happen. Right, it was so boring. So boring. Oh so God. let's not talk about it and talk about I, all the other things that went around. Would it. be fantastic because I just don't remember anything about it. What was your take on Lady Gaga? Oh, so I missed it. I okay. missed her. I didn't see it. What did she? Was it good? I heard it was good. Lady Gaga is now doing a vibe I like to call she was put through Tony Bennett's car wash <laughs> because she was all crazy and super wacky. She had and, you know, came out in an egg and wore these yeah. crazy meat suits, whatever. And now she hung out with like a cool, older, super hip guy. Mm-hmm. And now she's kind of still has her unique vibe, but can be wacky at the same time. She had this awesome red eyeshadow on and these cool, long blue nails and this like slicked back Gwen Stefani bright blonde hair. She kind of was doing like a Lady Liberty vibe. I don't know. I kind of dug it. People were hating on her. Didn't really recognize who she is, but she's changed. She's evolved. Because guess what? Women do and we're allowed to do that. Are we? God forbid. Can we vote yet? I know. Um, No, I I used to, I'll admit, I've been to a Lady Gaga concert or two (laughs) myself. Um, She's incredibly talented, has an amazing voice. She went the, you know, sticky route at first where she's, you know, meat suits and all that. But even underneath all that, she was her voice and her harmonies and just everything. She she's very very musically talented, and I think people when they see the shtick and they see the weird stuff are like, oh, she's just a it's just an act, and they don't really pay attention to how talented she is. So I'm glad she's stripping it down, and people can see like, whoa, you have a great voice. Yeah. Did you see Beyonce and Bruno Mars? I did. What'd you think? Loved it. Yeah. They really crushed it. Yeah. I like she how played. you left Coldplay out. Well, so Coldplay should have left Coldplay out because when Bruno and Beyonce got to the stage and we were like, oh, is Coldplay just going to stand there? And then it was like, no, that one guy would like kept coming forward with them. And I'm like, stay back. You're making this weird. I'm surprised Chris Martin didn't just surrender at that point. I mean, there was no room for him. I would have just sat down. I would have been like, I'm sorry. Just go ahead. I'll sit. I I didn't 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 like like his presence. No. Um, favorite commercial? It's a good question. Probably the one where Ryan Reynolds is everywhere you look. I was a huge fan of that. You're a big Ryan Reynolds fan. Um, have I mentioned I'm with child? (laughs) (laughs) He looked at me for an extended period of time and I am now pregnant. So yeah, I was a huge fan of that because that means, you know, child support checks. But also like (laughs) there was the T-Mobile kind of crushed it. They had a couple really self-aware ones. It was like the Steve Harvey one was T-Mobile. That was and then good. there was another one that I can't think of that I really liked. What did you what was yours? I liked the uh, it, this is a bizarre one that not many people talked about, but it was the avocados from Mexico commercial. They had a good one last year. I didn't see this one. Yeah, so this, this one was I'm not I didn't see the whole thing, but it was essentially like Earth was destroyed and the aliens have a Earth museum. And he's walking by and he's like, There's the gold blue dress that caused a civil war. And oh, there's Scott Bayo. And he was just like, Scott Bayo is just like in this tank or whatever because remember Scott Bayo? Not really, but he's part of our pop culture. And they were going through all these different pieces of our pop culture that I was like, oh crap, that's our legacy. And it's kind of sad, but also kind of funny at the same time. Do avocados need a commercial? I don't think so. I don't, They're I mean, pretty they, delicious on their own. And if they do, I would rather see avocados on my TV than Ryan Reynolds. Wow, you're a psychopath. We can address that later. I love but I avocados. Feel like, I feel like avocados already have a commercial and it's every Subway commercial ever. Yeah, but that's not 
That's a gross. Every Subway want, commercial is like, don't you love avocados? People yeah, still eat at Subway. Well, I'm Subway sorry. is it's not one of your. They're not one of your sponsors. Are no, I've. That, we don't have sponsors. <laughs> You're silly. Um, I did also like the sheep singing queen. I'm a big queen fan. Yep, that was an interesting one. And then the um, Helen Mirren one that was... Love her. Like, oh my God. If so you're great, a man right? and you're going to say you wouldn't sleep with Helen Mirren, you're a liar. You are a liar. Helen oh Mirren's my pretty God. awesome. She is, she slays. How old is she? Because she's... I have to be honest though, I don't think she drinks Budweiser, but I appreciated the vibe 100% of the commercial. Not. She barely touched it. It just yeah. sat yeah. there while well, she sat Well, they there. didn't show her even bringing the bottle. Well, yeah. they can't, but it was like, she just sort of lifted it and Can you not even take a sip? I don't think so. I know you can't chug. Oh, you can't drink on TV. Yeah, wow, I don't think, I don't think so commercials would show wait, people drinking. You can't, yeah, commercials. You can definitely drink on TV. Right. Watch she Garbage Time Wednesdays. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, in <laughs> commercials, in commercials. I know, right, you're right. right. You're right. You, yeah, you do a good amount of drinking Fair on Fair amount of drinking. I'm going to do a huge amount of drinking at night. You forgot Puppy Monkey Baby. I had no Puppy interest. Puppy Monkey Baby. That was a new commercial. It was like at the very beginning. It was that was going weird. for a very specific audience, yeah. which did not include me. Weird people. Uh, I loved it. They she did. Did not. you hear about this? No. That they researched oh and God. figured out that people love the commercials most with puppies, monkeys, and babies Makes in them, sense, yeah. and they combined all three. No, so yeah, it was a puppy, a puppy head, head, monkey body, monkey body no. and it was like super weird. Baby, baby ar- legs, baby legs. Yeah, yeah. it was so it was very wrong. weird. It was really and wrong. And you loved it. Oh, it was super weird. You're in on it. I'm surprised you didn't see it at Radio Row. They had an actual puppy, monkey, baby. Be oh, okay. walking That's around, what? No. like a guy was carrying it on a, you know, those things that they carry yeah. babies on the front of their bodies. Well, Alexa, I was busy making very important journalistic decisions. That's um, true, you were like chugging beers with both Matt Ryan and Rob Gronkowski, so I didn't have time for any of those shenanigans. You're pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> pretty sweet. So one other thing that they showed during the Super Bowl was they were advertising Super Bowl 100. Mm. Do you think you'll be alive when Super Bowl 100 happens? So I'll be um, 79. Yeah. So probably not. <laughs> um, I've done a fair amount of bad activities in my day, and I eat like pizza and burgers on a regular basis. So yeah. probably going to die. But then sometimes you see those like world's oldest woman says the key to life is eating a steak and smoking a cigarette. And it's like maybe I will live drinking Mad Doctor Pepper. Yeah, that's like I a thought real you were going to say drinking Mad Dog, and I was like, yeah, I'll do that Our too. Mad Dog. Um, do you think? Do you think the Super Bowl will even exist? At Super Bowl 100? Well, yes, but A, it will be on Mars, and B, because that will be because it's illegal on Earth. Uh-huh. Football's going to be illegal. Yeah. yeah. It has to stop at some point. The only problem is I don't want it to stop because it contributes to my job. Oh, I love it. See, I love it. And, and I, I love it too. despise it. There's right. just so much. But, you know, as I've, I'm learning with my, my history story that I had to learn, like, football used to be even more crazy. Like, people died a lot. So you're going to be on Drunk History. Yeah. And what's your story? So I'm talking about how Teddy Roosevelt saved football. Now, I can't tell you all the details. Okay. I actually don't even know if I was supposed to say that. But I'm going to be on Drunk History tonight. That's why I'm going to get hammered. Not because I would have gotten hammered anyway. Right. Because I don't get hammered unless it's for television. You know what they say? If you're good at something, never do it for free. Right. I learned I'm very good at drinking, so now I make people pay me to do that. Now you get paid to do it. That makes sense. What's your drink of choice? Can you tell us that? Um, Yeah. Whiskey. Yum. Bourbon. I don't any rye. Wow, you're like a any, real person. I am a person. What? I don't know what that but, means. Well, that drinks like real drinks. Yeah, well, normally I'll do an old fashioned, but like I can't make those myself. So uh-huh. tonight we're at my home for this taping. So I'm just going to probably put some bourbon in a glass. And then as the night goes on, I might sneak a little water in there because I can't be slamming straight bourbons. You could to tell history stories. How many? How many do you think you could go before you're just like, I need to stop? I mean, if we're doing like two ounces in, in and ice, I would say like five or six before I'm gonna be like, if I do another, I'm gonna say something dumb. I, that's like the point on drunk history, though. I know, but I mean something really dumb. Okay, it's it's kind of a crazy vulnerable experience because yeah. you know that like they're recording everything you say. And you have to trust them that if you do slip up and say something that's like, wait, I wasn't supposed to tell anybody that or, or whatever, that they'll edit that out. Like you really are trusting complete strangers right. in your home who also aren't getting drunk because they're working. So they're just watching you get drunk. Right. It's going to be a very interesting experience. I'm really excited. So speaking of trusting other people, have there, has there ever been a situation in your career where you've done something that somebody's been like, trust me, this will work out? And you've been like, mm, I don't know, but you did it anyway, or you decided not to and you had a good reason for it? That's a very good question, Alexa Dat. Um, have I ever had somebody say, trust me? I mean, all the time, constantly. <laughs> um, no, I think for the most part, 
if there, sometimes there'll be like other like podcasts and appearances and stuff. They're like, we just have to do this because you have to, you know, play ball and be nice and trust me, it'll work out for us. That I then later find out, I'm like, oh, I was doing you a favor. This was for somebody else. Like this had no, this did nothing for me. It was all for you. Other than that though, I haven't really been, I haven't reached any crossroads where it's like, no, I, I don't. There were a couple things uh, during Crowd Goes Wild. They were like, do this segment. And it would be like pretending I wanted to date A-Rod or something. And I would say, no, I'm not. It just doesn't, it do, it's not what I want people to think of me. I don't want to look like that kind of a woman. But they were always very like, okay, if you don't want to do that segment, we won't do that segment. That's great. Yeah. Have you ever done something and then afterwards they were like, nope, that did not work out. Don't do that again. And not so much for ratings Constantly. wise or maybe for ratings wise. Really? <laughs> no, there's, um, we've done like games and stuff that we think are funny or segments that we think are funny that in, in retrospect, people are like, don't, that was dumb. Like Todd Gurley, people didn't love that segment. They were like, why did you, you, why'd you do that? Like, oh, why? Because know. you played a girly girl? Yeah. And also just because like we had Todd Gurley and we didn't really talk about anything because we were so committed. We had him for like three minutes. So we had to do it really quickly, but we yeah. thought this bit would be really funny. And then it ended up being like, oh, it was all right. But, what was that? I think he played along pretty well, though. Yeah, I was got very a surprised. I personality almost, out of him. I almost got him to let me paint his nails. So That close. would have been pretty amazing. I was so close. Maybe the further you get into doing those kinds of things, yeah. you can get him to do that. Maybe. You've had an interesting career trajectory, right? <laughs> you, you, could, you could say that. And some people will call you an overnight star. And I read your brother, who was defensive of you, saying that Sure, call her an overnight star, but she hasn't slept most of those overnights, which I thought, like, wow, that's an awesome thing for your brother to say. Like, I would love my brother to say something like that, and he totally would. That was super supportive. What do you think about people calling you an overnight star? I don't mind it. Mm -hmm. I understand the sentiment. I know where it comes from. It comes from, I didn't know who you were yesterday. I went to bed. I woke up. I know who you are now, and it seems like you're everywhere. And I get that. I don't think people mean it uh, negatively. I don't take it that way. I also thought that my brother's quote was the best thing ever. And I that called awesome. him and I'm like, who told you to say that? That was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've worked really hard. I didn't work in the traditional way that um, most people up until now have come up. So I was um, very much a self-starter and I was very self-motivated and self-driven. And I think a lot of people, it's easy to overlook that. When you say you made YouTube videos for two years and people are like, who cares? I didn't get that many views. What they don't know is that I made, you know, five five videos a week and they were all written by me and researched by me and filmed by me. And then I taught myself what a green screen was and I taught myself how to use Final Cut Pro and I bought all this equipment and I made these videos that like turned into a full-on production that I was doing all by myself. And so, and for like no money. And I didn't know why. I just knew that I really liked doing it and I knew that eventually I could make it into something, whether I, they were just profitable YouTube videos or if some opportunity came along. It just felt like when I was waking up every day and I wasn't sleeping and I was putting all this work into it and a lot of people were like, what's your goal? I'm like, I don't know. It just feels like this is what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It's really stressful and busy, but it's fun and I'm learning a lot and I feel like this for the first time is like, I feel like I should be doing this. Well, I think you're kind of similar to my husband and I say this to him and about him a lot. You have this raw talent, right? That you were almost just born with and you're great on camera. You're, you know, you come across very personable and I know that's a word people throw around all the time, but it's true. And then you kind of worked on your own to develop these skills that no one taught you how to do. No one told you you should have them. You kind of picked them up on your own because you also have instinct. So you have this unique package. And I think a lot of people are drawn to you because of that. Um, I'm just going to kiss your ass this entire podcast. I'm like that totally crying fine. right now. I, don't, I just, I love this podcast. It's my favorite podcast ever. But I want to ask you, so let's go through a couple of the things that you did in the past and I want to specifically ask you if there is a woman or man out there or there's a woman or a man, monkey, baby, dog, puppy, monkey, whatever. or one of those. Sorry, we know what you're talking about. <laughs> who wants to do that job after you? What sort of advice would you give them? Oh, so wow. let's start with the YouTube videos, okay. which you wrote, shot and edited all by yourself. Mm -hmm. Now looking back on it, what would you say to somebody who's like, oh, I want to do that too? Um, prepare yourself to lose all your friends. <laughs> um, Prepare yourself for long, long sleepless nights. And also, um, I guess my advice to a person who wants to do that would be simplify your process as much as possible. Make your life easier instead of harder. Because I'm a perfectionist and I would read, read, read all the news and I wouldn't stop until I thought I had every possible news story I possibly could. When really what I should have done was just 
taken the first five and run with them and made jokes for them. Mm -hmm. Instead of being like, if I find that one perfect headline, then I can write an easier joke. I learned from that to just simplify your process, to learn as much as you can in the beginning and then use your knowledge and learn as you go. So I, I, no one ever taught me how to edit or, or use any lighting and any of that. And I just watched YouTube videos to teach myself how. And that's so powerful. Like people, younger, like generations before us, older generations, didn't have that luxury. If they wanted to learn something, someone had to teach them that. Right. We can go online and learn anything we want to. And it's crazy that we have this tool, the internet, that we use to say dumb things and keep putting things out. I think people need to remember to use it to bring things in to mm -hmm. their lives. Like learn, read, learn. Yeah, I tell young people a lot who ask for advice about how to get into the business. They're, they're constantly like, well, what do I need to do? And I'm like, well, do you want to be on camera? And they're like, yes. I'm like, well, there's a lot more that goes into being on camera than just being on camera. So the more skills that you can pick up, right. that's, you know, that's I mean, the way on, to get there. On Garbage Time, our, our, we have a very small team of producers. And every single one of those producers can do other things. So we have a producer who can edit. We have producers who can, you know, write. We have producers who can operate cameras. We all have to do so many things because... Yeah. That we, there's just no budget really in TV anymore. It's not the way it used to be. Yep. And so we wouldn't have gotten a show if we didn't have a staff of people who were like able to wear multiple hats. People would have just been like, we can't afford to give you a staff that big. Right. We have a small staff and we all can do multiple things. So like the more you come up in this industry knowing as much as you can, multiple skills, it's it'll do nothing but help you. Did you, you auditioned for Fox before Crowd Goes Wild, right? And you didn't do well on the audition? Yeah. Is that what happened? They contacted me and asked me to do, that they were launching a sports network and that they had an idea for me and there was maybe this Regis show that I could be on and I had to come in and audition and I didn't do well because I'd never seen a teleprompter that was real. I'd never been in a room and filmed a video with anybody but me in the room before and there was tons of producers and, you know, people on set. So, yeah, I bombed the, the audition. But then we we did like a test panel for Crowd Goes Wild and I was supposed to be the social media girl and that audition went well. Um, but so my goal, my, my original job offer for crowd goes wild was to sit on the couch mm -hmm. and to, um, like, here's what's happening on Twitter. Let's check in with Katie. And then the camera would come over and I'd be like, well, at boner man 39 <laughs> says, and that was like supposed to be my job. And after a while I was sitting in the production meetings and I was like, I have more to offer than this. Mm -hmm. This isn't what. I want to be doing so I would jump in on on conversations that the panelists were having in in pre-prod meetings and be like that's actually not the point or that's not the case and here's what I think and after a couple times of doing that um, our executive producer Michael Davies was like I think we want to put you on the panel and I was like but there's five people you the, the sixth in the desk they had to build an extra leg to the desk so that I could sit at it and um, so that's what I learned from that experience and what I would say to anybody who wants to do something like that is like, you're going to be given a job mm -hmm. that will get your foot in the door. If that job is not what you want to be doing, go get the job that you want. Speak up. Speak up. Right. Don't be like, well, I'm the social media girl, so I, I really shouldn't say anything, but no, just do it. And it'll work or it won't work, but at least you tried and you didn't sit there and read tweets for a year on a show that got canceled. And so for all the young people sitting at home who would like to be a host of a show like Garbage Time, what advice do you give those people? That's a great question. Um, be you. Know who you are and be you. Because our show is not wildly successful and it's not a ratings bonanza. Um, and it's weird. And people, the number one reaction we get to it is, what is this? But we know what we are. I know that I'm just a huge fan who has an amazing opportunity that I never expected to get. And I know when we have guests, I'm, I'm talking to people I'm genuinely interested in. I don't have formal interview skills or, you know, any sort of formal training in most of this stuff. I just know what I am, what I like, and what I know there's other people like me that mm -hmm. would enjoy watching that on TV. I just am me. And that's such, I hate that advice, but it's like, just know yourself right. and, and stay true to yourself. And people will try to tell you how to do that and they can't because they're not you. So just do you always. I like that. <laughs> Good advice. Do you it's always. awful advice. Do yourself just always. Just be yourself out there. You know what I'm saying? Just be yourself. You sound like my mom. Oh, I know. But it's good advice. 
it's because I know where important. it comes from. You want people to not try and be somebody else, yeah, but you just and that's like, where you get in trouble. I underestimated the pressure people would put on you to not be you. Right. I underestimated how much people would be like, I know you do this thing, um, and we we are so happy to have you, and thank you so much for doing our event, um, and we love you because you're like so irreverent, but. Just don't say this, 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 or this, and make sure you smile. And if you could wear something kind of nicer than what you usually wear. I'm like, okay, so you just said you love everything I do, but don't do any of it. So it's like, no, I'm going to do it my way. And trust me that like, there's a reason you chose me to do this and let me do it. So you did the Mike Francesa interview and people have been wanting to interview him since before you were born. And I know that because we're about the same age. You got the scoop though. I know. What was that interview like? I think it was an accident. I don't think he meant to tell me that. Um, That interview was amazing. He's amazing. He can just talk and talk and talk and tell stories about things that are like, what are you talking about? Yeah. He's just fascinating. That's why people are drawn to him. He's been talking for so long. I mean, the man talks for hours a day and people listen and they love it. He gave you some great advice though, right? So he, one of the questions you asked him was essentially about the haters. Mm. And he was like, don't listen to your critics. Yep. Can you take that advice and actually use it? Is that something that you learned from him? Or are you like, I'm not even close to what, at the level you're talking about. It's true. It really affects me still a lot. He and I are a little a little different, actually, probably uh, completely different in that like I came up through the internet. So I, I'm always going to have, you know, roots and I'm going to be grounded in, you know, Twitter and Facebook and my fans and stuff. And that's a, it's going to be a tough road for me because he's right. It is difficult when you have this constant barrage of either, it can go either way, compliment or insults all the time. Um, But to me, that's just something that's actually really important to me Mm -hmm. because I think it keeps me in a place that's genuine and true. And I think ignoring the haters is a a thing that I would take. I take his advice for people like old male sports writers who are like, Katie Nolan is crass and disgusting. And I've never read that because they're in something I've heard are called newspapers and (laughs) I don't know what those are, but I've heard that people have said that about me. That's that's the ignore the haters for me. That's like, okay, I don't care if you 75-year-old man don't like what I'm doing, that I can ignore. Um, But yeah, Francesa, it's so funny to me that he doesn't have a Twitter because if he knew how much we talked about him on Twitter... Like the whole world talks about Francesa. But I think he's smart not having Prince, a Twitter, oh, right? Totally. Yeah. He when you reach need a one. certain point, it's like, what's, why bother? Right. But um, yeah, I've always said I can't wait until I get to the level where like I can't see every reply. Like when they're coming in so much that I can't see them. Yeah. But when you can and you're waiting for a flight or something and you're just screwing around on your phone, it's like you can interact with real people who think you're somebody super important just on your phone. It's how, really cool. How often do you interact with them? Every now and then. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do less because people have asked me to do less. Yeah. So Who, who asked you to do less? No, just like people, I mean, people in my life, like producers and other like friends and stuff are, are like, don't engage as much. Which I, I, I see the point of and I take... It's, ex- it's exhausting. It is. It's well, so crazy. I can't... I don't talk to as many of them as, as there are. But like if somebody says something untrue and I want to just like tell them they're being stupid, then I will. But um, part of that is because that's who I am as a person. Like I'm when I'm out with my friends, I give people a hard time. Like that's, you know, and you rib each other back and forth. Right. So, but other than that, I'm, I'm doing it less because I understand you're not supposed to engage. Has anyone ever said anything or critiqued you that's made you like go home and just weep for like days? Um, I would say starting out, I, I really, um, it was tough Mm -hmm. because people were judging me on something and I knew, you know, when crowd goes wild started, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And when people would yell, like, you don't know what you're doing. I was like, yeah, well, you're right. I don't. That's the hardest part when they're right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when they say like, something oh, dumb, no. you're like, that was dumb. But when they say something right, it kind of it sticks like, with you. Yeah. It sticks with you. So, like, it I hits can tell you. a little bit of a button. Off the top of my head, I can tell you there was a guy the other day, and this isn't even a mean criticism, but for some reason, it was like, why'd you even say that? He was like, I can tell that you're reading the teleprompter because your eyes are moving back and forth, and you really need to get better at that. And I was like, what? What? Right. Like my ca- our studio's so small, the camera's so close to my face that the physics of that is you're going to see my eyes moving. Yeah. But it, now, like every time I'm in the studio, I'm like, don't move. Use your peripherals. Just look forward. I'm like, come on, man. Why'd you get in my head? Yeah. That's the annoying part. And I guess that's the biggest thing that Francesa was trying to you know, let you know and give you advice on is that don't let those haters get to you. But it's hard. It happens all the time. Yeah. What's something that, you know, being a woman in sports... 
sucks at times, is awesome at others. Have you ever had somebody say something to you that's totally inappropriate that you're like, wow, I can't believe you just said that to me. Holy shit. In person? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of casual sexism of like, oh, thanks, darling, or like, thanks, dear. There's a lot of... um. If you, an older guest or somebody who's worked in the industry for a while, they get a little bit condescending without realizing they're being condescending. There's a, it's the difference of ideals and, and times that people grew up. And I, I try not to hold it against most people because I don't think it comes from a malicious standpoint. Mm-hmm. My goal in life is to make sure that like the next generation of us don't do those same things that the earlier generations do. So how do you do that? Um, is just to like, I don't like to jump down people's throats or yell at them or call them sexist when they do something sexist, especially if they're older or they're like from a different era. Um, I just sort of like tease them for it or like point out like, hey, you shouldn't do that. Like Francesca was telling me that when women call into his show, he's gentler on them. I'm like, you shouldn't do, that's what makes people think that we get concessions, that we get, oh, Katie Nolan has a show because they want to be gentle to the women and you can't say no to a woman. It doesn't help us if we do that. So I point that out to Francesa, but I don't expect that he's going to go home and be like, that Katie Nolan girl who's been working in this industry for two years. But the fact that he planted the seed is almost enough. Especially for you, right? You feel like you've at least accomplished something with putting that in his head. Yeah. I think the number one problem that a lot of people make nowadays is when someone does something that's perceived as sexist or racist or insensitive in any way, we attack them. And that even if it was they were borderline, whatever the thing they're being accused of being, we don't help them. Right. Like it helps to be like, hey, I, I hear you just called me sweetheart. That's not, that doesn't make me comfortable. And here's why that's not okay. I understand why you do it. And I'm, I think we can both exist in the same world. Mm-hmm. Just think about it next time you say sweetheart. And that person could completely ignore you, or they might go, okay, that's easy enough. I don't love the word sweetheart. I'll say something else. Yeah. It's so much easier to, to let people know what the problem is and also let them know like it's safe for you to slip up and make that mistake. I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Just try not to make it in the future. And then for us to focus on just every message I put out there for younger generations that are hopefully watching our show because that's <laughs> where the money is and those younger demographics, um, just to not not engage with that kind of stuff and not, and put in front of them a different person that I'm never going to slip up and call a female guest sweetheart because it's just, I'm I'm not of that mindset. Yeah. So. I'm not 100% there yet, but I kind of do the passive aggressive route, which is not good. But like I had a boss call me or tell me to be more sassy. And I'm like, that's not an appropriate mm. thing to say to a woman in a closed door meeting. Yeah. So now I just go around the office telling everyone that he thinks I should be sassier. And everyone's like, ooh, that's not good. I'm like, yeah, isn't he a bad guy? <laughs> you are a little bit sassy though, if we're honest. I no, don't think you could be sassier. Be more sassy. I don't know that that's possible though for you. I've known you for a decent amount now. You're pretty sassy. Well, apparently I need to be sassier according to this guy. So I was just passive aggressively like telling everyone else that <laughs> he called me I love sassy enough when an executive or or a boss or a producer or anyone says something like that because I just look at them and I'm like, you poor thing, you're so dumb because they don't know. They're just so dumb. I don't. I can't. I feel bad for their wives too. Yeah, I should probably freak out. You should probably freak out, but I'm just like, oh god, you poor, poor, out of touch idiot. Right. But okay, cool. I'll go be sassy for you, and then I would just go out there and be like, hey everyone, welcome to garbage time. I'm sassy, Katie Nolan. (laughs) Then you just throw it right back in their face. You're gonna be on late night with Seth Meyers. Oh my god, Jesus! You were not in the industry two years ago, and now you're gonna be on late night. I know. That's amazing. I'm freaking out. Are you ready? I have no idea what he wants. I don't. Why would you want me on your show? Well, come on. What are we gonna talk? What are we gonna talk about? I don't even have a show to promote. Oh yeah, where can we see you, Katie? Well, I don't know, Seth, but uh, check your local listings sometimes around the spring. Thanks so much. <laughs> what about the podcast? Know. You can promote the podcast. Yeah, that's I go do. on Seth Meyers and promote your podcast. I'll yeah. feel like such a dick. Hey, guess what? I would feel no shame in that. I would go on wearing a That's What She Said t-shirt on Seth Meyers and be like, listen, hashtag, you see this? This is the shirt. Yeah. Listen I, to the podcast. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't know what. I think we're going to promote that I'm going to down to Daytona to like drive a car or something next weekend I have no idea and I don't I know I'm gonna put my foot in my mouth I know I'm gonna say something stupid I'm a huge Seth Meyers fan like I loved him on SNL yeah I used to watch Weekend Update like that was what I modeled my my video my online videos after like this is huge in so many ways yeah that I'm just not processing it right now well you did get a little bit of preview of what it's like to kiss somebody's ass because I kissed your ass so you can take some of that and okay. turn that over to Seth Myers and be okay. like hey I learned from Alexa she did it really well on her yeah. podcast I'll do it on your show and be like I love you and you're great okay so maybe you can learn something from me I love I, yeah okay 
Absolutely. (laughs) We talk about people, you know, and I don't like to use the term overnight star, but I do like to watch somebody's, you know, career path. And from where you started out to where you are now, did you ever feel like it was out of control or you didn't have control over it and it was overwhelming? Yeah. I think that happened for me because, you know, coming from a place where I did everything myself mm-hmm. uh, and then reaching a point where it was like, you can't do this all yourself. Are you, you controlling? To, do you think Do you think so? Just a, Just a, bit. a little bit? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit of a control freak. I, I freak out when I can feel myself having to let go of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and realistically, you can't make a television show all by yourself. You just can't. You have to find people that you trust and you have to delegate responsibilities. And it's not... An achievement if you try to do it all yourself. It's actually to your detriment and all it does is hold you back. So Mm -hmm. I had to learn pretty quickly and I was uh, very resistant, but I had to learn to to let some things go Um, because I also felt this super important responsibility to write everything I say because I think a lot of people are quick to judge a woman if she, well, you're just reading teleprompter. It's like, no, yeah, I am, but I wrote everything in it. So it actually doesn't make a difference. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff I still hold on to. Mm-hmm. Like anytime I give a commentary piece or I say something that are like, it's about my feelings or my thoughts. That's, like the Greg I, Hardy piece. Yeah, yeah, I write that because mm-hmm. it wouldn't make sense coming from somebody else. Right. Uh, but like letting other producers come up with segment ideas or come up with jokes inside of segments. Like I, I let that happen because I, A, I have an amazing team who's all really funny and talented. Mm-hmm. And if I don't let them do that, then it, it seems to them like I don't trust them and I do. Yeah. But it was hard to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, guys, go produce the show and I'm going to sit over here and not come to your meeting because I need to empower you. But oh my God, my name is on everything I do. Yeah. So it was difficult. Um. Luckily, I have my my producers are all my friends. There yeah. isn't a single person who works on my show that I'm like, nah, I could do without them. They're really good. They're people. like my you best have an friends. Amazing crew. They're my yeah. only friends. Yeah. To be quite honest, the only people that I hang out with and talk to are my producers, and I couldn't be happier about it. They're amazing, all of them. Yeah. In fact, I went through them to get you onto this podcast, yeah. and they said yes. Shout so. out to Dave Easton, I think. Yeah, yeah, Dave's the best. Who's your biggest mentor in the business? I would say Bill, um, Michelle Beadle. And Rachel Nichols. Those okay. are the people that like if I reach a crossroads or if I have a, a thing I need advice for, mm-hmm. uh, I can reach out to them, which is insane to say out loud yeah. because I worship those people. Those yep. people are like, especially in terms of like Michelle and Rachel as women, those are people are the people who did it. The people, if, the, if they didn't exist, I couldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like sometimes I'll be out with fr- like friends or whatever family and my phone like will pop up and it'll be like Bill Simmons and my brother's like no big deal you just have a text from Bill Simmons <laughs> I don't look down at my phone and go oh it's just Bill I look down and I'm like did everybody see that everybody see you texting me like this is really cool it, these like to say that they're my friends feels completely inappropriate and not correct but they've been so supportive like I've chatted with Rachel Nichols about life things about mm-hmm. being a woman and like when do you have kids and how does that work and how do you work and I've learned so much just from conversations with those people and the fact that they care to give me advice is mind-blowing and will never be not mind-blowing. I feel like you're similar to me where you're more starstruck by the people in our business than you are athletes and actors and actresses. Is that true? I mean, I love athletes and I think they're great, but like this job is hard and it's underappreciated hard. It's difficult. It doesn't get a lot of recognition uh, and and there's people who do it and they do it really well and they work really hard at it. And I, I, there's so much for me to learn from them. I can't learn from an athlete because I am the least athletic person in the entire world, but they are fascinating people as well. Do you control and change what you put on Instagram? Like, so now that yes. people can, yes, yeah. now that people can take pictures of you and put it on Instagram and basically, you know, make you look any way that you want and you're trying to make yourself look a certain way, I'm sure. What do you mean? Like people can like tag me and stuff in pictures? Yeah, so like, okay, as an example, I was walking my dog yesterday and I was wearing a big, long, shit brown jacket Mm -hmm. with bright orange snow boots and a white hat. Sounds cute. Super cute. And a woman tagged me in it. Kyle, shut up. I'm just laughing. A woman tagged me in it and she was like, is this you? I wanted to ask for your autograph, but I wasn't sure it was you because oh, I wasn't God. sure that you were a girl because I wasn't sure that oh, there God. was a chick underneath all oh, of those God. clothes. <laughs> and I was like, yep, that was me. So I vowed never to go out looking like a homeless person again. So the next day I wore the exact same outfit, but just wore sunglasses. Good girl. Hello, that makes you more of a celebrity, Good right? Girl. 
And I can't control that because I can't control what people put on the internet. And sure, fine. Oh, whatever. yeah, I don't control. I can't control any of that stuff. People take screen grabs of my show where I'm like in the middle of talking and they like tag me in it. I'm like, cool, that's nice. But you also use funny pictures to promote yourself anyway. Sure do. So, yeah. I, there's nothing more uncomfortable for me than smiling at a camera. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is so awkward. So I just make stupid faces. Yeah. And w- in terms of controlling stuff on Instagram. I don't Instagram as much as most. Do people tell you to Instagram more? Yeah. My yeah. agent is like, what are you doing? We could have so many more opportunities for you if you Instagrammed. I hate pictures of my face. I hate them. I'm not a picture person. I don't like taking pictures. I don't mind like uh, if somebody else took a picture while I'm in the middle of talking to somebody, like a candid photo. Right. But I hate being like, smile. Meh. I hate it. So you're essentially saying you're bragging that you look good from all angles instead of just like the front face If that was your takeaway, then I nailed it. That's exactly (laughs) what I meant. Are you taking a candid photo? Yeah, Kyle is currently taking a candid photo. Thanks, Kyle. You ruined it. Got to get this stuff on Instagram. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I should post more on Instagram. I actually just recently discovered the the inbox. For what? On Instagram, that like people can just send you private Instagram messages. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so I found a lot of awful things in there. But yeah, I how's also that working for you? I also found um, a message from Snoop Dogg that I missed, Whoa. where he was like, "Want to come be on my show?" Like, why was that Whoa. your method of contacting me? If you had just emailed me, you would have gotten a hard yes, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> but like, you're hiding in like a bevy of of dick pics. I didn't. I wouldn't have found you here. Who knew? Just Snoop was waiting to hear back from me. Did you respond? Uh, yeah, but it was too late. Of course. I actually haven't checked to see if he responded back. I can do that now and give you a scoop. Yeah, let's get the scoop. Um, after that, we're going to talk to you about all of the awful things that were asked about you on Twitter. Some of them were actually pretty good. Some of them we got some legit questions. But we want to hear the Snoop he scoop didn't respond. first. That's he didn't depressing. respond. Well, Sorry, maybe guys. one day. Okay, Twitter questions. At Plain Brad. Oh, God. Have you ever had a segment killed by FS1 because of content? Yeah, I did a a whole bit when we were doing no filter internet videos about Roger Goodell and how he doesn't let anybody eat a slice of pizza until he does. Did you see that? It was in like a Washington Post story that like they'll have a meeting and they'll be sitting there for hours and there's pizza, but no one else is allowed to eat it until he takes a slice. Uh And so we did this whole parody about how the worst thing about Roger Goodell as a person is that he wastes so much pizza and Fox was like, you can't, he's... We can't put that out. Is there. that like an actual Roger Goodell rule or is everyone just afraid? I think it's a I think there was speculation in the article and they never really said, but I think I think it's a rule. He would be that guy that's like, I know you're all hungry. Can't do it. No one eats till the king eats. Yeah. Is that the only segment that Fox has ever killed that you guys have that's done? That's the one I most think of. Um, there was a Derek Jeter, a thing where we uh, sarcastically joked or suggested that maybe he might have unborn children, or he, uh, not unborn children, just uh, illegitimate children across the country. Uh-huh. Um, because when he was retiring, Rick Riley wrote that letter to Jeter's unborn children. Mm-hmm. And so I said a letter to Derek Jeter's illegitimate children, and we did a parody of that. And they were like, you can't suggest that he has children, so we have to take that away too. I'm actually not mad at that one. Mm, I didn't think the Goodell one. You yeah. know that could they could have let that go. John Corey says, "Do you ever see yourself as a morning show host?" Sure. Yeah. Um, I hate mornings. I see you more as a late night host. Yeah, that's that's, that's I told the Dave. Goal. I was like, the, you know, when I was on your show, I was like, the first thing I thought from her. Did you see Samantha B at all on Full Frontal? Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. thought she did a pretty the, good job. The only woman to host her own late night show. I think she did a. You Except know what? garbage time on Wednesdays at midnight on FS1. Okay. How about every day live? She's not every day. She's Mondays. She's one day a week. Is she live? Mm, I don't think so. Really? Katie's yeah. a little fired up right now. I'm sorry. I just have seen so many tweets about how she's the only woman. And it's like, I don't like hate that to go on my little feminist rant for a second. I hate that the world feels like they have to pit women against other women because now I'm getting tweets that are like, oh, it's you versus Samantha B. I love Samantha B. She's yeah. great, but the marketing pitch needed a little bit more research and then we should have done something like together helping each other. We should be helping each other, not competing against each other. Next question. <laughs> At Joe K one two two eight. This is your AOL screen name. Why is it also your Twitter handle? It's 2016. Mm-hmm. Would you let your kids play football? Uh, no, only because I don't think you need to play it from a young age to be good at it. I think they could play other sports, and then if they want to play football later in life, fine. But I don't... Hockey. My kids are going to play hockey. That's just as dangerous. Yeah, no, it's not because of danger. Yeah. I just, uh, I'd just i rather my kid play hockey. Yeah, my kid's going to play like neither hockey. football not, or hockey. 
Yeah. It's just too dangerous. I watched the actual PBS documentary about it. Mm. It is insane. Yeah. He's saying that 100% of football players are 90 to 100% likely to get CTE. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's nuts. Here's a creative one. We've never heard this one before. What's your bra size and will you marry me? Mm, Yes and yes. Good answers to both. Thank you. Um, Ccast44, how many times did you replay the Ryan Reynolds interview? Oh, I know him. I know he's one of mine. I've watched it a bunch, especially the part where Ryan says, I, I'm loving my time here on Garbage Time. That was like, pretty creative. Oh, God, I love you. It's like a little plug <laughs> that you weren't, so much. you know, he wasn't asked to do. Um, Mike you, says, any experience that made you seriously consider leaving TV or media and how did you decide against it? Honestly, for me, it's uh, we talk a lot about me being a woman in sports, but in day-to-day working, it's the only stuff that ever makes me feel like I can't do this is just the amount of work there mm-hmm. is to do. It's never about like, oh, somebody said something sexist, because in the grand scheme of things, I will fight that till the death, but it's not my day-to-day struggle. <laughs> my yeah. day-to-day struggle is like, you've got to write this, film this, go here, do this, film that, write that, talk to this person, do this. It's a lot. And I like to keep up with like, I hear a lot from young women Mm -hmm. that are studying sports that send me emails and I I like to reply to them. Mm -hmm. And even that just takes time to sit down and and make sure you're saying the right thing instead of just like shooting off an email in the back of a cab. There's just a lot of responsibility and a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the only time I've ever been like, I don't know if I can do this. But then you have a day like Friday of last week when all the shows are done and you get to sit back and look around and just like, I sobbed at the desk in Radio Row because it was like, this is my life and I'm so lucky to be here. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Sorry, guys. What I noticed when a lot of women send me their reels because a lot of women you know, are interested in your opinion and, and what you think is that women nowadays are becoming better at being personable on camera because mm-hmm. they grew up in the camera age. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where the hell was my iPod, mom? I could have been filming myself forever yep. and this wouldn't be so difficult. Yep. But it's amazing how great that they're becoming. And if they're willing to work hard, it's going uh, to be a very interesting experience to see where it goes. We taking over. That's right. I love it. <laughs> Jared says, uh, do you feel misplaced at FS1 with people like Colin Coward and Clay Travis, people you would normally roast? You know, I have a home um, on a network where I'm treated very well by the executives and everybody who works there. Do I agree with the opinions of everybody who's on my network? No. Um, Do I tell them that when I see them or or sometimes on television? Yeah. Uh, Fox is also, the good thing about them is they don't have the same policy as ESPN, which is like you can't speak any, you can't say anything negative about a person that you work with. Mm-hmm. They don't have that. They have a common decency policy that like I should probably tell that person before I go and roast them. Uh, but so luckily I, I'm not really put in a position where I can't say what I want to say if someone on my network does something I don't agree with. And I'll also say if those are the people that are on my network and they attract a certain audience that I would never attract and then I'm in front of that audience and I get my message to them. Yeah. Then I, that's actually good. Yeah. Otherwise, you're in an echo chamber. It's just more about getting the ideas that I have out and like these feminists, the things we've talked about, mm-hmm. like knowing that a woman can talk sports, like they're not going to ever know that unless a woman gets shoved in front of them and starts talking sports. And right. those people originally are going to be like, what is this? I was here for Jason Whitlock's house party by the <laughs> sea or whatever. And but there I am and they have to deal with it or change the channel. And I think eventually that will. It's actually better that way. It's by the bay, Katie. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, house party by the bay. (laughs) Scott says, uh, they get more creative as they go along. I bet. Who do you want? (laughs) I can't even read this with a fucking serious face. We can stop down. Um, No, I'm just going to keep going. Uh, If you had to make sexy time with an athlete or a celebrity, who would it be? I just want you to say pass so we can keep going. Pass. Great. Um, and then and then this is Make better. Make sexy time. Make sexy time. Also, uh, the bra size wasn't enough. There's a current versus ideal bra size, which are, we're going to pass on anyway. But we just want people to know that this is the kind of shit we have to deal with. Yeah. Why do you care about my bra size? First of all, your girlfriend is in your Twitter picture with you. Ugh. I saw. She also has like a Twitter picture of you also, in it. Also, like, does the size, like, you can see them. Like, if I, it would make more sense if I was like, what's your dick size? Because I can't see it. But you you can see my boobs. You no. know exactly how big they are. If I tell you what letter and number combination they are, does that like help make your sex dream more accurate? No. You know exactly what they look like, so enjoy them. And what's your dick size, sir? Well, Kyle, as we've talked about, I don't remember if you were there for the conversation, but we were talking about how many times SBT would come up on this podcast. Do you remember what SBT is? 
This is the best. Oh, so, sneaky big tits. Yes. Yes. So that's why it is. I don't like wearing tight stuff all the time. I sneaky like wearing loose big clothes. Tits. And so people don't really understand that. I, she's <laughs> dancing right now. She's literally sneaky doing big tits. I'm putting this out as a separate video. This I love that story. Of that was the podcast. best story. Right. So that's why people want to specifically know because they can't particularly yeah. see what's going on yeah. here. Yeah. Sorry that we don't put the put them out there. Right. If we do, we apparently are stupid. Like there's there's that line for women. It's like, yeah. Have your boobs out and people are like you must not know shit who'd you blow to get this job <laughs> don't put them out people are like why can't we ever see your boobs yeah like, i don't fucking fuck all of those people all of them i Next. agree how many athletes have tried to hit on you and i'm interested in this conversation only because i've heard you say before like i'm kind of a nerd and i don't really understand when the guys are hitting on me mm. is that still the truth or yeah. have you got has it gotten worse i also think i put out a very strong vibe of no i think the second <laughs> you meet me it's like are you in no she is not interested at all i'm the girl who wears flats to the bar when everyone else has high heels on it's mm-hmm. a very clear not interested yeah. most of the time um i would say that i'm still the only time to this day i've ever been hit on it was on crowd goes wild and it was by two chains and he said yo girl you want to come to my hotel later and i said absolutely not and he said fair enough and wow. that was it i've had some hockey players slide into my dms but that was before this happened like that was before i was and i never met them they just found their way yep to my direct messages it's funny that they slide in the dms early and then i'm sure get more embarrassed as you're mm-hmm. you continue to get more famous because yeah. then they know they'll be put on blast i think that's the other thing i think people fear and i actually w- don't really air people's dirty laundry unless i feel it's like a, a, a thing that needs to be said mm-hmm. like i i would never I think people assume that I would be like, oh my God, such and such slid into my DMs and said this because of that time that something happened with Kevin Connolly. Um, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't. And I, I actually have spoken before about how I don't I don't love how that Kevin Connolly thing played out. I was young and I was stupid, but whatever. We've made up since. He apologized and that was great. But like, I wouldn't air people's dirty laundry, but I think they think I would. And that plays to my advantage. So I'm cool with that. People want to be very careful all the time. Kyle, yeah. what's your Twitter question? Uh, all-time favorite athlete to watch that didn't play in Boston. That's tough. And that's from Mason Daly. I love Mason Daly. He's also one of mine. Because you retweeted this question. By the I way, did. the first time we put out this question, we got zero responses because <laughs> nobody <laughs> likes me on Twitter. And then you bit, retweeted and I was like, yes, Katie's the best. I was a little bit upset when like we tweeted it out and there was there weren't even like sexist responses. Kyle, you can't mm. be upset. We don't have any Twitter followers. That's, it's oh, well, just the logic of I, the conversation. You have more than I do. I have 12. So All-time favorite athlete to watch that didn't play in Boston. Mario Lemieux? Mm. It's a good answer. Yeah. Okay. Not, yeah. I didn't put a lot of thought into it, but it was the first one that popped into my it's head. It's a good one. Katie, this comes from DJ Rose. What is your position on the role in government in supporting innovation in the field of biotechnology? Totally. I'm totally on board, and I really agree that like, if you if we start to really focus on biotech development, um, we can change the world. You sound like the moderator from old school, and you just sounded like Will Ferrell who blacked out when he gave that answer. Yeah, what happened? I, I wasn't here present. Awesome. So we wrap up every podcast with an embarrassing story. Oh, God. I'm going to go first, and then you're going to tell yours. Okay. So mine, I've told a lot of career ones, but I'm going to take this one all the way back to middle school. And there was this kid I was obsessed with. Ironically, his name was Elliot Rosenberg, which is my husband's wow. last name also. And when people say, what is your type? I say Rosenberg, and they don't Ooh. understand what I mean. They're like, no, 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 not your husband. Just like men in general. I'm like, yeah, just no, yeah, the just last in name, general. Rosenberg. Yeah, that's it. So there was this kid who sat next to me in homeroom, uh, home ec. And I, you know, I just loved him. Loved his shaggy hair, loved his brown eyes. I could go on for days. And it was creeping up onto Valentine's Day. And I don't know if you guys had this where you could order either a white flower, a pink flower, or a red flower and give it to one of your friends, your lovers, whatever. So I decided to go for the red flower and I decided to tape a red construction paper piece on it and write, To Elliot, love your secret admirer. Oh, goodness. And he received the flower in home ec, and he was like, oh, my gosh, a secret admirer, amazing, and talked about it for weeks, didn't know who it was, was super excited about it. He was like, I can't get this out of my head. And in my head, I'm like, he can't stop thinking about me. And it was, I mean, for me, it was amazing because he literally brought it up every single day when I was sitting next to him, and he never really thought about anything else besides me. So... That made me really happy until the last day of class Uh when he asked me to sign his yearbook. And I wrote, Dear Elliot, thanks for all the fun times in home ec. Hope you have a great summer. P.S. I'm your secret admirer. And he closed the book and he kind of walked away. Did you say hope you have a great summer? Did you write hags? You wrote hags. No, I never liked hags. Oh, okay. I liked to write it out because I really meant it. I wanted them to have a good summer. Mm -hmm. So... he, I was like, no, no, no. I think you should read my note. I kind of wrote something unique in there. And he opens it up. 
He reads it, and in front of the entire class oh, no. who knew all about this, he screams, you're my secret admirer? Everyone looks at me. He slams the yearbook and storms out, and everyone's just Fuck staring this at me. Guy. Are you kidding me? Well, I'm melting in my chair. The home ec teacher's like, "What's his problem?" I'm like, "I don't know, girl trouble." And then literally, that was the end of our relationship. Elliot, Elliot. wherever you are, you little piece of shit, <laughs> you are an awful garbage human. <laughs> I hate you. I really, I don't take, I don't have any hard feelings. For no, you. yeah, me neither. <laughs> I will kill this person. Peter's Peter's brother's on the uh, real dick. <laughs> <laughs> I only stayed home from school for several days. Oh my All god! All right, what's your embarrassing story? I'll tell one very similar to that, so that we can commiserate together. Um, when I was in middle school, I was a little bit um, of a late bloomer, and so my mom had given me from first through like ninth grade a boy haircut. I had a little boy's haircut, um, and I'm not. A, that's not an exaggeration. I looked. People would meet me and be like, "Oh, Cammy," to my mom. Cammy, this must be your son, Kevin. She's like, nope, that one's Katie. This this is Katie, my daughter. So I wasn't very cute. I was very unfortunate looking. Uh, and also no boobs, no butt, just a little stick, little stick kid with boy haircuts. It uh-huh. was not helpful. I, my mom used to buy me shirts that said like girl power to like try to drive the point home to people. I was in fact a lady. Mm-hmm. So um, I had a crush on this boy as girls do in middle school. Uh, unfortunately, those boys don't look at girls that don't look like girls in middle school because that's just not uh, a thing. And so I, he was a good friend of mine in that like I had all guy friends by complete accident because girls didn't want to associate with me because I was disgusting. Also, I had braces and when I had the braces, I had the elastics that I had to attach the braces to. The I had others. those too. So like the, yeah. every, there was nothing not unfortunate about me in middle school, <laughs> yeah. which is fine because the girls that peaked in middle school now have like nine babies and are on welfare. So I'm okay with like, <laughs> I'm, I'm good with where I'm at. I'm very happy for them and I hope their families are lovely, but also screw you. You made my life a living hell. So yeah, I had a crush on this boy and a friend of mine one of my only girlfriends was dating him and um, again to reiterate not popular at all this little girl over here Mm -hmm. so uh, it got out somehow that I had a crush on him which remember in middle school was the most devastatingly embarrassing thing like nowadays it's like yeah who cares but then it was like wait he knows it's like yeah you told 55 people and wrote it in your diary (laughs) like of course he knows so um, anyway uh, one day he was like, hey, Katie, I want to ask you something. Um, meet me in the middle of the lunchroom right before lunch ends. And so I went to a pretty big middle school. There was just tables everywhere. And in the very middle was like where the lines for food and stuff were. So it was kind of a point of attention. People were looking. Mm-hmm. And um, and he I, he's standing in the, in the lunchroom. And I walk over to him and he's like, Abby and I broke up. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm so I'm so sorry because she was my friend. But at the same time, you could there was only a limited number of men in middle school. You kind of had to have a crush on somebody that your friend was dating. It just happens, right? Right. So I was like, oh my god, that's so. I'm sorry. Do you need anything? And he was like, no, I just want you to know. Like, I'm really embarrassed to ask you, but um, but I'm not actually that sad because, well, do you want to date me? Whoa. And he was with all his boys, like all of our friends. And I was just standing there and I like looked around. I had no friends of mine. And I'm like, yeah, I, I do. And he said, psych, which is what kids said in middle school was the meanest oh, thing you could say. And then my friend, Abby, walked over, put her arm around him and they walked off into the sunset. And I just like fell to my knees at the cafeteria and, and wept. Well, fuck him too. Well, everybody laughed at me. It's unbelievable middle school boys. Yeah. They need to get their asses in check because they're terrible people. The worst people. Some of them get only worse. I know. Which is, these ones got to He was, he ended up being a really nice guy, but he sucked in middle school. He sucked. A lot of them do. I ended up going on a few dates with Elliot Rosenberg and and (laughs) but he showed up in a Hawaiian t-shirt in the middle of the winter and my mom was like, this guy can't come in the house. Plot (laughs) twist. Plot twist. We dated after. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Fans, you can catch Katie on Late Night with Seth Meyers and Drunk History this week, plus Garbage Time when it comes back from its hiatus. She also has an amazing podcast. Check that out. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Kyle. Katie, anything you'd like to say to your adoring fans who um, listen to you on this podcast as lo- well? I love you all. Unless you're weird. Don't be weird to me on the internet, but I love you. Yeah. That's Suck it. at internet haters. Yeah, don't do that. Don't hate us. And let's go get a snack.